Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Pastor Ben Pitney has a message titled, Chosen to be Prepared. Turn with us to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-9. through 9. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. Good morning. It's good to see you. Take your Bible out and turn to 1 Peter. So while you're finding that, let me talk to you just a little bit about, you know, there's, this never surprises me how from week to week, I think, you know, uh, the craziness is going to end, <laughs> right? I mean, we've seen some just really difficult things happen this week. There's a reason why the, the flag is at half-mast uh, today. And um, those kinds of things are shocking. They're disturbing. And I can't hardly believe it um, sometimes, right? How, how crazy things just keep emerging. And I don't know how you're processing that. But, uh, you know, for me, there's, uh, there was a whole uh, squad of Marines that were killed in Afghanistan. And, and then a, a corpsman. Um, a Sark uh, Navy corpsman. And um, that is where, that's, that's what my son does, right? Mitchell, my son. He, he's in the Navy and he, he, because of his role, he goes green side, blue side with the Navy and Marines. And he can go with, I guess, any form, any team. And so when I was, I, I got to talk to my son this week, you know, I, I didn't quite sit on me until I talked to him how, how, how rough that was. I mean, these are people, he has friends there, right? He knows people. The, the Navy um, corpsman, the Navy Sark, they, uh, there's not tons of those guys, Right? So, I don't know, it just kind of became a little personal for me. Squads are, that's like a half a platoon. And the people that Mitchell's responsible for and things. So, and, and I talked to my daughter. She's wrestling with some difficult things this week. And so, I know each of you are, you, we, we all have lots of difficult things that we face every week. There is no doubt that some of you woke up today and just said, this is not going according to my plan, even just today. Or maybe it didn't go this week or this month, or there's, there's a lot of things where you're just going, I didn't plan it like this. What is happening? This is not the way I thought it would be turning out. This is what I want to do. I mean, Lord, and it's just not working out according to the way you want it to go, right? Everybody in this room, whether we realize it or not, we are a theologian, you're a theologian, you're a philosopher, you're an archaeologist digging around through existence in order to, you're just trying to make sense of the world, right? We're all right there. And in this series, we've been talking about eternity for a reason. The scriptures are riddled, so to speak, with um, Eternity, 
And the scriptures are, they, they teach us that we, in light of eternity, there's a, there's um, things that we are supposed to be and there are things that we are supposed to do. There's a, a way that we are supposed to live. Eternity makes that very, very clear. And so I don't know what's happening in your world right now, but um, I think that it's a significant question that I want to answer today, and I think the scriptures answer. What in the world is God doing right here and now? What is he doing? And I think this passage of scripture will answer this question, but um, if you haven't experienced one of those moments where you're just frustrated and uh, you are confused, you're upset, you're even angry about it. If you haven't experienced one of those moments yet, you're, you're gonna, <laughs> you will. And um, you at least ought to be able to observe it in somebody else's life. And, when you, you know, like, I think in my children's lives th- this week, I, f- I felt really helpless like, I, I couldn't do anything to help them. I mean, I, I actually can't. There's nothing I could do. I can encourage them and pray with them and uh, those kinds of things. But, man, there's nothing I could do to change anything for either one of them. And, and uh, maybe that's where you are a little bit this week, too. But if, 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 if you're in one of those moments right now, those times where you just can't make sense out of what God is doing, and it seems like God is distant. His plans seem unclear. You're in a moment that you never thought you would be in. You had no idea it was going to go like this. I mean, if I had an idea that it was going to be like this, I never would have. Right? Kind of thing. Right? And you're saying, God, where are you? God, what are you doing? God, what is this about? I thought that you were all about love, God. I thought that you were about mercy, God. I thought that you were about grace. God, I don't understand. I want you to hang with me today for a little bit. You cannot make sense out of that moment without eternity. It's never going to happen. Eternity is something that we have to get our arms around and understand, even though it's something that is unexplainable in some ways. It's only from the perspective of eternity that dark moments, that difficult moments, that frustrating moments, painful moments, aloneness times, surprises, discouragement. It's only at those times um, that they become moments of grace and glory and moments of satisfaction when you understand eternity, I think. And it's a lifetime journey understanding eternity. It's only when we look at all these moments of frustration and, and, and depression sometimes from the vantage of eternity that those moments get transformed into something different. So um, turn to 1 Peter, right? And let's start by reading in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Starting in verse 3, just hang with me, okay? Here we go. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
by his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is reserved in heaven for you who by God's power are protected through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This brings you great joy, although you may have to suffer for a short time in various trials. Such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold. Gold that's tested by fire, even though it's passing away, and will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You've not seen him, but you love him. You do not see him now, but you believe in him, and so you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy because you are attaining the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So these verses that Peter writes, they are meant to be a summary story. A summary. They summarize some things. This passage actually wraps its arms around the entire plan of rescue and transformation that God has in mind. This passage looks to the past, it looks to the future, and it focuses on the now actually, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So Peter knows, he knows something here. And, and as he writes this, I'm, it, it sort of shocks me that he's a fisherman. <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a deep theologian in this passage right here. So he knows that we're not going to understand life in Christ unless it's, unless it's all connected to the history of God's work and the future of God's work. He knows that, Okay. We, we, we always have to look at, we, we need to look at, we must look at the present in light of the whole plan of God and his purchasing of our freedom from sin because what's happening is the whole magnificent plan is actually being played out in the now. Once in a while, I, I say something that is, not understood enough is that when Jesus uh, fulfilled God's plan by um, um, dying on the cross for our sins, that, that death of Christ and, and his purchasing of our sin, he purchased our sin past, present, and future. And this is an aspect of our lives that we, I, I think we resist and it's hard to get our arms around this past, present, and future thing and how God works. But these verses, I think, give us a clue um, and some truth to that because here's my first point. Peter is actually teaching interconnected theology right here. That's what he's doing. Interconnected theology is a thing, Okay. <laughs> The moments of now are not isolated. This is what he's trying to reveal to us. They are not abstract. They are not somehow unique. They're not cut off from everything. The now is connected to the historical plan of God, actually, and connected to the future plan of God as well. And we can't try to compartmentalize or dispatch 
these now moments and examine them in isolation because we will never understand the now of the work of God, the present grace of the work of God, the plan of the work of God. When we detach them from the whole rescue, repurchase, and saving recovery of God. It's all connected. Everything is connected. And if you're going to understand the now, we have to have this interconnected theology, right? That's why, as Peter, that, that, that's why, as Peter, you know, he, he wants to launch into this question for the rest of his letter. He addresses this question, what in the world is God doing? Have you ever said that? What in the world are you doing? That's a little bit different than almost always the wrong question, why are you doing this? That's almost always the wrong question. Why are you doing this? But So that's why we want to phrase it like this. What in the world is God doing? Because he's doing something. And why is he doing it, though, in the world? Why is he doing it? All right. He can't possibly do this. Peter can't. He can't answer these questions for you and I without connecting the past and the future. So his real focus here is the now, but he's got to attach and connect the the, the vitally importance, the, vi- the vitally important thing called connected or, or theological um, connectivity, correct theological thinking, all right? We have to have this. So this is interconnected theology, and we can't view a moment in our lives as disconnected from the larger plan of God. There's, there's reasons for all these things, and it's really important that we live with this interconnected theology. That's this passage, okay? Now, notice what he first does. So, so focus on verse 3. Start with verse 3. That's the very first verse that we read. Make sure you're looking at it because there's some things that you're going to want to see for yourself. I'll put it up here reluctantly, and I do that, and I don't want to do it, okay, because I don't want you to be lazy. Get your Bible out. Find it. Focus on verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he gave us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So I want to encourage you to see that Peter is doing more than just celebrating new birth. There's a big thing going on here. He's saying, don't you understand you've been reborn if you're a Christ follower? He's talking to believers here. This is an amazing thing. Life has been breathed into your dead spirit by the grace of God. Okay, he's saying that, but actually what Peter is doing, he's summarizing everything that's happened from the beginning of time before the foundations of the earth all the way up to this process of new birth, rebirth, all right, giving your life to Christ and being reborn. He's saying, understand what God has been doing, okay? He's harnessed the forces of nature, He's controlled the events of human history because he's marching this broken world to this point where the Son of God would come. Everything is leading towards this. He's marching everything towards this place where the Son of God would come, where he would live a perfect life, where he would die a brutal death, where he would rise and conquer death so that you would know and 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 have 
new birth. All of history has been marching towards this grace of new birth. That, or this is your history. This is your history. So when we read the Old Testament, and we do lots of times, uh, we're not just reading the dusty details of the saints of the past. That's not what we're doing. We're reading our spiritual biography as a Christ follower because every judge, every king, every prophet, every situation, every um, uh, provision, every victory, every prophecy is for us. God has chosen to work history in a way so that at some point in time, we would receive new birth. Now, that is exciting. That's exciting. I'm not sure uh, what excites you, but if this doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. And then, and then what he does is he looks to the future. And this, to me, is really astonishing. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. That is, into an inheritance imperishable, undefiled and unfading. It's reserved in heaven for you. Wow. You have, in other words, a spiritual trust fund that can't be touched. Okay. That's an amazing thing. An inheritance, spiritual wealth that can't be touched. And as as you're celebrating that, it says this, look at verse five, look at verse five. It is reserved in heaven for you who by God's power are protected through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So think of it like this. God with his almighty power is guarding your inheritance and he's guarding you. He's guarding you. So that you'll be healthy and you'll be well and you'll be ready and prepared to receive the inheritance when it comes due. That's what this passage is talking about. God is not just guarding your inheritance. He's guarding you. Now, already the implications are just right in our face, right? Our spiritual heritage starts back at the foundations of the earth and the the, the universe, and our spiritual future is on a journey into eternity, and it is sure it's guaranteed. Peter's creating vital, really important theological connectivity because what he's actually interested in helping us understand is the now. Is the now. Isn't that what you want to understand? What is happening? So skip ahead to verse 8 just really quick. Skip ahead to verse 8. You've not seen him, but you love him. You do not see him now, in the now, but you believe in him. And so you rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. Verse 8 helps us understand verse 6. Look at verse 6. This brings you great joy, although you may have to suffer for a short time in various trials. Sometimes I I, I just hate talking about that word suffer because I just don't think we suffer very much here, right? You you want to understand suffering, uh, 
talk to the Christ followers in Afghanistan right now, okay? I feel like they're, they're the church, the true church in Afghanistan, I don't know how big it is. It's not very big. They're suffering. You and I are sitting in really sweet, wide-body luxury chairs today. Now, this uh, now is, is, is Peter's important topic. And before we look at the now, I want you to notice that verse 6, this is going to sound kind of dumb, but I got to say it this way. I don't know how else to say it. Verse 6 is surrounded by verses 4 and 5 and verse 7. Duh. <laughs> but what's in verses 4 and 5 and verse 7? You know what's in there? Eternity. Eternity. Verse 7, such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold. Gold that's tested by fire, even though it's passing away, and will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. You know, in the future? So here's what Peter's doing. He's teaching interconnected theology, but he's done something else. In the midst of this teaching, he wants us to look at the now through a particular lens of eternity. So he surrounded it. He surrounded verse 6 and, uh, with verse 4 and 5, eternity, and verse 7, eternity. Okay? Do you get what the passage is doing yet? Look at, look, look at what he's doing. Salvation past, salvation future, salvation now is looking at now through the lens of eternity. There's the whole passage right there. Now, it, it, oh my goodness, it gets even better. It really gets good, so hang on. Notice verse 6 and 7. Let's put verse 6 and 7 together. Read them together. Here it goes. You ready? You need to have your pencil or pen or whatever you got. Highlighter. This brings you great joy, although you may have to suffer, underline that, for a short time in various trials, underline that word, trials. Such trials show the proven character of your faith, which is much more valuable than gold that is tested, that's what you got to underline there, tested by fire, even though it's passing away and will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus is revealed. So here's the third point here. Sorry. Suffering, trials, and tests. Those three things. Now, think about what he's doing here. When Peter begins to explain what it is that God is doing in the here and now, of all the words that are available to him in the human language to describe things, all the descriptive words that he could use, he chooses three descriptive words here. Here it is, suffer, trial, test, just three words that you don't want in your life. Anybody want them? No. See, you didn't get up this morning and pray, oh, Lord, you know, I've been thinking it's going too good. Bring me some suffering, would you? Please. I mean, I'm just thinking, you know, right about now, I'm ready. Bring me some trials. I need a test. You know, I'm getting lazy. Nobody prays like that. No way. Why? Nobody gets up and says, Lord, I need to be more holy, so bring it on. Bring the suffering. Why don't you just send me some of that? You, you, you see, look, what 
it is about right here is the nature and the, and the, the zeal of God, the eternal zeal of the sovereign God that makes these words so important and great descriptions of what it is that God is doing in the here and now, suffer, trial, test, stick around here, just hold on. If you can't answer the rhetorical question that I just asked, And that Peter is asking, I would propose to you, you don't understand the present plan of God. And because you don't understand the present plan of God, you have moments where you're confused. You got times where you're tempted to doubt his goodness and his love. You got, there's, there's plenty of times when you look at others and you're tempted to envy their life because you're comparing your life to them because you don't actually understand what God is doing because you don't understand what God is doing. It's really hard for you to trust God and his plan. And so you take matters into your own hands. You do that. Yeah, look, I do it too. I I do it all the time. Yeah. It's about my agenda. It's about your agenda. So you sort of wish God would just listen to your agenda and what you've got in mind here because you don't really understand what God is doing in this suffer trials and tests and just stuff that's frustrating and hard and difficult and hurtful, Right? Well, Peter uses all these descriptive words and these word pictures. Look what he does next. I don't want to be too elemental about it, but it's a great picture. It's a picture of what? It's mining work. When a miner mines things like gold, this valuable element out of the ground, right? When you get it out of the ground, it's, it comes in basically an ore state. It's an ore, Right? Or is not very attractive, actually. Or is not very usable because or has imperfections in it. And in or, those imperfections rob that, that, that metal, that beautiful gold of its beauty, right? So when you give your, your special person a piece of jewelry, you don't give them a piece of ore, right? That's not attractive. Nobody in this room is wearing ore. And so the metal worker knows that it would be ridiculous to mine this metal and leave it in an ore state. So what does he do? He adds a catalytic agent and other stuff and, you know, white hot heat. He liquefies this metal. He boils this metal and and the impurities boil to the top, basically. And then you scrape off the imperfections. So it reaches a higher state of purity and beauty. So when you come to Christ, by his rescuing, transforming grace, you're like ore. You and I both. We have impurities in us. Me? Has there anybody ever done? This is the tell. Me? It's funny how many times we do this, where we put our hand like this and go, he must be talking about somebody else. Right? So, in those impurities, those impurities are robbing us of our beauty and our purpose and all kinds of things. It, it, think of it like this. My goodness. It would make no sense. And we can't get our arms around this unbelievable sovereign God. But it, 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 I, I know this. It would make no sense 
at all for God to mine you out of the mass of humanity by his all-powerful, selective, transforming grace and just leave you in the or state, right? How ridiculous would it be for God to do that? So God, in the brilliance of his relentless love, is going to refine you and I. He's going to do it. Here's the principle. God will take you where you haven't intended nor wanted to go in order to produce in you what you cannot and could not achieve on your own. So he's going to take you places that you may not even want to go, right? You know what that's called? It's actually called grace. See, God knows, he knows something. He knows how stout our self-righteousness is. He knows. I mean, the designer of everything, he knows how sturdy our self-righteousness is. He knows how reliant we are on our own strength and our own wisdom. You know that, right? He knows all that. He knows how attracted we are to the things of this world. He knows how easily satisfied we are thinking that we are actual graduates of the Grace Academy when we're not, right? He, he knows how much we are able to shift the blame and make excuses, how much we're able to lie to ourselves. Man, we're good at it. And so in grace, he will take us beyond our wisdom, beyond our wisdom, and the way we, we, what we think is good and right and how it should go. Beyond our strength, be, beyond our strength, beyond our strength. Have you ever felt like, I just got, I can't stand this anymore. I can't, I don't have, I can't do it. He'll take us beyond our strength, beyond our wisdom. Of course, you're not going to get it. Of course, I don't get it. Of course, I don't understand it. Of course, I feel like, oh my gosh, I can't carry this anymore. Of course, he takes us beyond those things, Right? be so mad. Beyond our plan, beyond our righteousness to places we would have never chosen to go so that we will do what we desperately need to do, right? So that we will reach out our hands in helplessness and say, I need your grace. Because grace is for the broken, grace is for the weak, grace is for the poor, grace is for the diseased, grace is for the sinful. And unless we get there, we don't desire grace. God doesn't want a bunch of Pinocchios, a bunch of, you know, uh, robots. He doesn't want a bunch of puppets. He wants relationship with you and I. God wants you and I there. And those moments of desperation are not God forgetting the plan, and God, he's not ignoring the plan or, or, or something getting in the way of the plan or something surprising him. He's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was going to happen. Those are moments of desperation. Those, those, those times, that's the plan. That's the plan. Those moments are signs of his covenant love. That's not God moving away. That's God in his glorious brilliance and faithfulness, ever-present, sovereign God moving intimately closer. We got we to gotta start teaching each other this 
and encouraging each other with this theology of uncomfortable grace. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? We need to teach, admonish, encourage, and comfort one another with the theology of uncomfortable grace. Because this side of eternity, God's grace often comes to us in uncomfortable forms. And I'm just like you. I want the grace of release. I want the grace of release. Just like everybody else. And you know what's kind of crazy? I've experienced it this week even. It is not any more comfortable to teach somebody about uncomfortable grace than it is to receive it. <laughs> I've had to sit on the, this side of the table, so to speak, talking and speaking into people's lives this week, as I should, and, and, and help somebody kind of come to understand this. And it is not easy. It is uncomfortable to help somebody know this too. It is. Uh, we don't want to hear that. Ultimately, right, I want grace of relief and, and, and release, and ultimately release is coming, but what we actually need right now is what? Let's go back to the illustration. You know what we need? We need refinement, right? We need refinement. And so if there's times in your life where you're crying out, where's the grace, God? And it's not the grace of release or relief or, you know, right? It's uncomfortable grace of refinement. Refinement. If that's where you are, you're already getting the grace that you're crying out for. You're getting it. You're getting it. You are. Look at verse 8. Oh, this is good. Because you are attaining the goal of your faith, right? The salvation of your soul. And here's what this means. You can't treat this moment as a destination. Now, that's going to sound a little contradictory based on some of the things I've been saying, but think about this. Let me say it this way. You, you, you can't live with the destination mentality. Hang on. The purpose of this moment is not for it to be as comfortable as it could possibly be. Ow. The purpose of this moment is not for it to be as comfortable as it could possibly be. See, God is actually, is not actually working so that you would wake up every morning with a big smile on your face and say, well, I love my life. <laughs> what? No, that's not what he's doing because there is in you greater need than that. There are impurities in us. And so what's going on? This is not a destination. This moment is preparation for a final destination. That's why Peter says, don't you see, what, see where this is going? This is going so that your faith would ultimately land at the praise and the glory of Jesus at his revelation. When he returns, you're being refined for when he returns. I'm getting you ready. I'm getting you ready. It's glorious beyond anything you're able to think up. You've been chosen to be part of this. And right now, I'm preparing you for that moment. Isn't there an easier way? <laughs> right? No. I love the biblical metaphor of a pilgrim. We're on a journey, right? We're on a journey. And some of us are so focused on making sure that the here and now is easy and predictable and comfortable and pleasurable, right? 
and we think that we're owners and not stewards, we have no ability then to take in the glory and of uncomfortable grace because one thing that we've determined is my life's not going to be uncomfortable. It's not. I'm going to do everything I can for it not to be uncomfortable. If you're there, you are way off of God's plan. It's, that's not me. That's, it's right there. It's just right there. Because he will take you where you haven't intended to go in order to produce in you what you could not achieve on your own. So you can keep trying to resist all you want. It's amazing. Why is God doing this, right? Well, let's go to the purpose of uncomfortable grace. What's the purpose of all this? I'll just point to two things. Here's the first thing. The purpose of all this, the salvation of your souls. What? Yeah, Peter says, don't you know these are dark moments and all that's happening? Don't you understand? You're getting what you prayed for. You're getting salvation. You're being saved. Yes, you've been saved. Yes, you will be saved. And now you're going to be saved. He's talking about sanctification and the work of God. I know this is hard to understand, but you're being saved. Sanctification is you've been set aside and there's this journey and there's this process, right, of transformation. Ultimately, it will all be complete eventually when Jesus returns and we are in this fully glorified state, right? But it's a journey right now, and when you're going through these moments, when you're marching through that kind of confusion and darkness and disappointment, even to the point of depression, right, you need to be saying to yourself, I'm being saved, I'm being saved, I'm being transformed, I'm being rescued, right? We don't say, where's God? Why would he do this? That's not what we say. We're either every day preaching to ourselves the true gospel of Jesus Christ, or we're preaching to ourselves the anti-false gospel that deepens our despondency, deepens our, our discouragement, deepens our depression. And in these moments, we've got to preach the true gospel to ourselves. This is part of the glorious, eternal salvation plan of Jesus. Remember, go back to verse 7 in the second half of verse 7. Look at this. And will bring praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. It's all headed there, you see. You're never going to understand the human existence. We're never going to understand your creation in the image of God. We'll never understand the plan of redemption. We will never understand the future of eternity unless we understand that. Here's the second thing. I said I would give you two things. What's the purpose of all this? We've been given life for the glory of another. It's not about us. We will never be the center of the story. We're never the focus It's never about our magnificence because it's all meant to showcase the magnificence of the Lamb of God, the Savior, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, that's the plan. That's the plan. We must live with interconnected theology. We must live with Eternity as a lens focused on here and now, we must learn to celebrate uncomfortable grace. And we must say, how could it be? How could it be that I would be chosen 
to be prepared for such incredible eternal glory. What does this have to do with me? So hang tight. Here's how. Let's just pull, pull just a few things out, okay? Let's remind ourselves. It's only, number one, from the perspective of eternity that dark, painful, frustrating, lonely, surprising, discouraging moments become moments of grace and satisfaction. It's only from the perspective of eternity, right? Eternity is something that we have to keep in our eyes. Number two, suffering, tests, trials in the now are not isolated. They're not abstract. They're not unique and cut off from God's plan. It's a part of it. They are theologically connected to the historical future of God. There is purpose in those things. Number three, it's vital that we live with interconnected theology. I keep saying that because God is not just guarding your inheritance. He's guarding you and me. God chose us to be prepared for his glory. He wants relationship, real relationship with us. I mean, if I was in charge, I wouldn't need God, would I? Because the suffering, trials, and tests, those are not the words I would be. I'm like, there's a, I got a better way. Number four, there is a great need in our lives to be refined by uncomfortable grace. Why? We got to preach the true gospel to ourselves. Why? Because this is a part of the glorious eternal salvation plan of our Savior. We've got to be refined because of all their impurities in it. It's a painful journey, but it's a part of the plan. And I don't think he does anything that uh, we can't handle, even though we think it, it's like, no, it's too much, I can't do it. It's not, that's not the truth either. That's another message, but that's, that's not the way God operates. Bow your head with me just for a moment. Lord, this is a beautiful plan. It may not be the way I would do it, but I... I Teach us to learn to trust the beautiful plan. How brilliant that we've been included in your plan, Father. But Lord, we confess to you. I confess to you. I lose my way all the time. There's times when I'm, I'm very, uh, I, I just don't want the refinement. <laughs> I just want my life to be comfortable. I want life to be predictable, Lord. I want it easy. And God, I'm tempted to think that I'm wiser than you. I'm tempted to even doubt your favor. Lord, help us connect our daily journey, our pilgrimage, so to speak, to this grand story and plan of saving, rescuing, and restoration. Connect our hearts to this stunning glory of refinement, Lord God, and help us to not resist it. Help us find joy in your process. And lead us to live for a glory that is greater than our own. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.